Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. How old are you? 33, 31. <laughs> how old are you? 33. Yay! I could have babysat y'all. <laughs> well, you could have babysat me, actually. I probably could have had you. <laughs> If I'm feeling a little old around these girls, I know Cynthia is feeling quite ancient. to another episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry we are in 2021 y'all and you know how that thing of like once a new year rolls around you have to transition sometimes into like remembering oh I'm in this year not last year not happening for me I 2020 who like I am so done with that bitch I you know shout out to Carrie Bradshaw we are so over We need a new word for over. Like, I am done. I'm so happy to be in 2021. And I know, like, you guys know me. You listen to me week in and week out. Y'all know I, optimist would not be on the top 25 words that you would use to describe me. I am very much a realist. I don't have, like, a rosy outlook on much. <laughs> Anything, really. That being said... You know, like, I just, I don't want you guys to get the impression that I think, like, oh, this is going to be, so, like, everything's going to be great and better because it's a new year. No. With that being said, I think that we all should give each other a little bit of levity and say, I'm glad it's over. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But we're in a new year and that means that there are new things that we have set up for our future that are coming. And those are things to look forward to. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about taking a shot. I'm excited about taking one shot and then, you know, monitoring my side effects and symptoms. And then six weeks later, taking the other shot and being like, ow, my arm hurts. But you know what? Thank God eventually this is leading me down the path of doing something that I have been fantasizing about for weeks now, which is getting what I deserve and what was taken from me last year. And that was the ability 
to be at a club that I really, you know, I, I'm not a club girl, you guys, but I have been just thinking in my head and I've been hearing the thumbing beats of boom, 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 boom. And I've been thinking about how I deserve to be at like a boozy brunch or like some douchebag club in the meatpacking district and like twerk to WAP until I, somebody needs to call like an ambulance, an ambulance, <laughs> an ambulance, or, you know, there needs to be some sort of like heat ice situation applied to my lower back. I deserve, I deserve to have my knees hurting the following day because I, you know, like I, I want to listen to like, like a G6 so loud (laughs) that I can't even remember my name. Like this is where 2020 has taken me. Is that like, I want to do the most obnoxious things that I would never in my life do in a, under normal circumstances, I, that's what I want to do. I want to, you know, wear heels and trip over them. I want to get in a fight with somebody on the street. You know, I want to make friends with that girl, that girl that you meet at the bar. You guys, how badly do you miss that girl that you meet at the bar in the line for the bathroom? And you guys are best friends and you're like, Oh my God, you look cute. You look cute. I love you so much. I love you so much. These are the things that I deserve and I'm excited and I'm looking forward to having those things come back. That's what I'm saying. So I hope you guys are having a very good outlook on 2021. I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) So this week is going to be a little bit different, you guys. I am going to take another week off from 90 Day Fiance, but I truly... Would be remiss if I did not talk about it the last episode. Well, at this point, it would be two episodes ago at the time of you listening to this. But wow, we what a what a week to take off. And I have a feeling that I might even regret it this week. But in its replacement, I'm going to be recapping the premiere of Real Housewives of Dallas on Wednesday. So you'll get that on Wednesday. Um, more than likely you will get, uh, Salt Lake City on a Friday, 50-50 on that. But in the following week, we'll be back with a regular scheduled program, regular Monday episodes, 90 Day Fiance on Wednesday, Salt Lake on Friday. Um, okay. So what do I want to talk about with regards to 90 Day Fiance? Wow. I think we're really getting a taste of the dynamics. And if you guys don't listen to 90 Day Fiance Slumber Party, I highly recommend you do. Um, They brought up a great point, which is that the women, the sisters are really doing it for themselves this season in a way that we haven't seen in quite some time is that they all have strong personalities. They say how they feel. They say what they mean. They are, you know, just wholeheartedly and unabashedly themselves and they let that be known. And I love it. I truly love it. I'm really loving Yara. Yara had a conversation with Jovi. They went to a furniture store. 
Jovi didn't like the rug that she picked out, so he went from calling it their apartment to my apartment. I don't want that in my apartment. And Yara shut him the fuck down. You guys, this is my my call to arms every season. Get into 90 Day Fiance. We're only a few episodes into the new season, so if you haven't watched it or if you dipped out, I, this, I think, truly is a season worth watching. We've got all new people and they're all compelling. So Yara shut him the fuck down and I really appreciate that they're saying because you guys, women, younger women who might be listening to this podcast, never put yourself in a position to which a man is making promises to you financially because as soon as he doesn't like what's happening or he's not getting his way or he feels like whatever, it goes quickly from like our stuff, we, we, we to me, me, me. And don't let a man ever do that to you guys. Never let a man take control of you financially. Never let a man put themselves in a position where you're offering something that you really don't want to offer to somebody. And if you're going to be like nasty about it when you don't get your way, then you're not really being kind and generous and you're being abusive. Truly. Anyway, um, who's next? Julia, Brandon, Julia, Brandon has whatever term, Every term that I'm trying to think of is like very gendered and, you know, like I'm trying not to carry that into the new year. Whatever term you want to use for a person who has no, uh, no agency over their life, no um, desire or willingness to stand up for themselves because they've never had to. His parents are, they, everybody needs a break. Everyone needs a break from that relationship. They don't need to be living with each other. They don't even need to be living in the same town. They need a good six months where they don't see each other in person. And I would say we like, I need this to be a jail situation. Like one phone call a week, 20 minutes. You keep it very polite, just to strict updates about your life. Anything that's important. They need a break from each other. They really do. And he needs to grow up and if he wants to be married, he needs to be married and not let his parents regulate his relationship. Granted, are they living in his home, in their home? Yes. Are there certain rules that people can apply when you're living in their home and, you know, you're probably taking care of them financially? Absolutely. With that being said, um, you can't regulate somebody's relationship. And there was a point where they were going back to the farm and they were telling Julia, oh, you're going to have to do this on the farm. You're going to have to do that on the farm. You're going to have to do this. And Julia says in an interview, like, they're not asking me if I want to do any of this. They're telling me that I have to, like, take on all of these tasks on the farm. And I just feel like if that's not something that you guys have discussed prior to that, then... That's just a weird assumption to make. People should, you know, pick up the slack and, and work for their thing. But, like, she's not marrying his parents. She's marrying him. So, really, this conversation needs to be had between him and his parents. Between what it is, like, she's not working to, <laughs> like, working to be in this family. 
she's marrying him. She's marrying your son. I thought that was very a very insightful thing of her. Um, Amelia? No, what's her name? The French one. <laughs> Andrew and Amira. Wow. Wow. That was a cliffhanger that I've never seen before of them trying to navigate their way through the U.S. government <laughs> and the immigration system by having French Amira fly into Mexico. They were going to hang out in Mexico for two weeks and then try to get into America that way via Mexico because she can't get into the country because of the travel restrictions due to COVID. She can't get into the country as a citizen of the European Union. So they're trying to do this and he gets to the airport and he gets a call. He gets a voicemail from Amira's father saying that she has gotten detained in Mexico. He has no idea how to get in touch with her. No idea of like the next steps to take. He's standing there in the airport. Like I just landed. My fiance has been detained. I don't speak Spanish. What the fuck do I do? Where is she? Where do I go from here? He can't call the consulate in France because he landed on the weekend and they're not open. No information and no way to even begin the steps of getting information. Wild, wild, wild. We have never seen this on the show where somebody's been like straight up detained. I, I don't know what happens and I'm so excited to find out. It sounds like a nightmare situation, especially because Andrew had been pushing Amira to do this vacation in order to come to America because before her visa got, expires. Wow. And now look at the dilly of a pickle that he put her in. Detained. Detained. Um, Stephanie, you guys. Wow. We have seen many a cougar come on this show and they have for the most part, been birds of a feather. Birds of a, you know, dry, crunchy, curly hair feather. They really knocked it out of the park with Stephanie. I have a few thoughts on her. Stephanie is a cat lady. We see Stephanie feed her cat a heaping spoonful of key lime yogurt. Loved it. Couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> it was the antithesis of every like cat man that we see on the show. I was delighted. And I loved it. She is a woman of the beauty industry. She has a med spa. Two med spas in um, suburban Michigan. Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids, Michigan. For any of you guys who are wondering. Um, she is... A woman of a certain age, she's in her 50s. However, she is, you know, taking uh, supplements to uh, re-trigger some of the natural things that happen in our body in order to get that youthful appearance. She is um, seemingly a bit of an airhead. I, you guys, I'm just going to say this is a hot take. I think she, I think some pills accidentally get into her mouth and they're swallowed 
and they're ingested and that there are side effects that come from the ingestion of those pills accidentally. I watch it. Watch her eyes. Watch the very slow blinking. She at one point brings her friend slash medium over to read her tarot cards, to um, talk to her about her relationship with her, um, what is he, 26-year-old um, Belize, what do you call somebody from Belize? Belizean? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I'm stumped. Um, she's being clearly taken advantage of financially by this man. She is uh, working hard and diligently on a hula hoop championship. World record she's working on. She wants to log 100 hours of hula hooping. Oh my god, she is a self-described cougar. She does not mind the word. She is a woman who <clears throat> says, you know, she never had interest in getting married, never had interest in having kids, really hadn't been in a very serious relationship over time. She met this guy in Belize, and now she's spending all of that beautiful med spa money on watches and trips and... um other sorts of financial things. He clearly, um, you know, they haven't been able to see each other because her first scene, <clears throat> they show up the time. It is August of 2020. So we're talking, you know, five months tops ago. Um, their relationship, she tells us, has suffered from the distance and from not being able to travel due to COVID. He has been withdrawn hard to find, hard to communicate with, all of the above, to the point where she has to call his mother to check in to see, have you heard from Ryan today? Because I'm just trying to see where he's at because he's not answering my phone calls or my WhatsApp messages. And uh, yeah, she's very clearly being taken advantage of. And I love her. And I'm so excited for her journey. Um, let's move on to the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Y'all, this is a show that I never talk about because I just have to keep some shows to myself. And that is RuPaul's Drag Race. I am a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, y'all. Season 13 is back. It aired on January 1st. How did we feel about this? It was a starkly different format, obviously due to COVID. They had to implement a lot of different things we saw I have not seen admittedly every season of Drag Race I started I think maybe around season eight or seven um <clears throat> so I don't know if they did this right off the bat before but the lip sync for your life two by twos that they did and like dividing the cast members up based on who won and who lost and I just felt like there needed to be more explanation. Like if you guys are going to drastically change the format of the show, like it just felt like we were chucked in to the show and we were like, just supposed to pick this up really quickly. And it just didn't really make sense. Like they're introducing this pork chop thing, which I understand like pork chop was the first one to get eliminated on her season. And then there was like a whole hall of fame of all other Queens that had been eliminated in the first episode and then they you know they're dividing them and I don't really get it I just felt like there needed to be a lot more like 
we needed to be walked through the format. Is this going to be like a one episode thing and we're going back to the regular and they're just trying to like spice things up for the premiere or is this going to be the whole season and like what are you guys do like what are we I don't I just didn't really understand a lot of it and it wasn't like if this is purely being done for entertainment values and like I don't really need it. I would just stick to the 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 other format, the regular original format is fine with me. But I'm excited. I thought a lot of the queens were really talented. And I think I liked more of the queens this season than I have on any other season, for sure. And we had a good mix of people. I feel like there's been a big... Um, like, every time they do the introducing the queens, there's a big, like, conversation about the New York queens. Right. And there's some sort of like intimidation there. They're like the top of their league and we're supposed to like defer to them and like, oh, there's three New York queens a season. Like, oh, better watch out. I don't I don't really understand that part. But where am I going with this? <laughs> I just liked a lot. Of, I liked the diversity. There weren't like. There were New York queens, but we also had, like, some sort of, like, weird queens and comedy queens and older queens and young ones and people that had been in the drag scene for 30-plus years. And then there was one that had been here there doing shows for, like, a year and a half. And I, I really liked that. I think the past few seasons there have been like a lot of the same and I I'm interested in seeing a lot of diversity because it takes like you (laughs) I'm getting upset you go I don't think we don't take into consideration how much work it's got to be on that show to be to be on that show like I feel like, first of all, you guys, I feel like I'm just rambling, like just like a person rambling on a street corner. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of diversity and I just casting. I already said that. So I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. Um, What else? What else? I think that might be it. <laughs> I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about. No, maybe not. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for sticking around with me in another year. This is the second full year of everyone's business but mine. So tell a friend. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Let's get on to the rest of the episode, which is a recap of the newest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. All right, guys. Let's talk about the latest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. I gotta say, I'm finding that I'm really enjoying this season more than I've enjoyed probably the last couple seasons. Part of that has to do with Nini. I have very... Like, I'm just so disappointed with Nini and her downward trajectory. Like, she came out in that, like, 27-piece wig, and we loved her for it. We loved her quips. We loved her honesty. We loved seeing her relationship with Greg. We loved seeing her relationship with Portia and Kim 
Zolciak. She made Kim Zolciak likable. And just to see how she went out, it hurts. It really hurts. So Nini to me is kind of like a Bethany. And I think this is probably a, a pretty widely accepted opinion, right? Like, I don't think I'm, you know recreating the wheel here but Nini for me is a lot like Bethany in that I kind of like feel like they were created as these like juggernauts of housewives like if there is a you know like a housewives hall of fame Nini and Bethany are going to be the first two that you think of with that being said like I told you, like, if you guys listen to my episode with Princess, I was talking about, like, how I'm never precious about when a housewife leaves. Like, usually when they leave, you know, there's this big conversation of, like, what is the season going to be like? Who's going to be in control next? Who's, you know, is it going to be as good without this person? I feel like without Bethany and Nene, bye. You know, (laughs) like, bye. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I think there are a lot of people who are out there and hungry and willing to do the work. And New York is very, or Atlanta is very much like New York in that sense. Like, I love the season. We have one or two seasons without Nene, but it was great. It was great. And I thought, oh, Nene, like, I just wish there was somebody in Nene's ear to help her make better decisions like um you know not leaving and acting like you're this indispensable indisposable person uh when we have Portia Portia Williams you guys Portia has had an evolution unlike any other she truly has. And so I felt like Nini's fatal flaw in leaving is thinking that she was going to be leaving a hole in this cast when she, really she's not. These ladies have proven that they are carrying the franchise. They don't need Nini. Sorry. I hate to say it, but she's forced my hand. So I've really been enjoying it. I've really been enjoying the new additions. I've been enjoying... Um, well, I have not been enjoying, but I've been watching with bated breath all of these scenes between Drew Sedora and her husband, Ralph. And wow, I don't think we've seen a guy, <clears throat> a house husband, have such a poor showing right out the gate. <laughs> Episode one, scene one or scene two of you being on the show. What is wrong with that man? I feel very bad for Drew. I feel very like, oh, help her. You in danger, girl. Like, we need a hero. A hero needs to come along and help her escape. (laughs) Help her escape this relationship. What a monster. This man has a lot of work to do, personally. Well, let's talk about this because they get into it a little bit. So we start off the episode. I have not, have I talked about Atlanta since it's been on? No, I haven't. You know, I mean, obviously the other talking point would be like, what's going on with these COVID protocols? There really seems to be, like, I'm not watching Orange County. I've watched two episodes, the first one, and then one last week. And that's just because I literally had nothing else to watch and I didn't know what was going on. But 
the protocols of when the cast wears masks and when they wear the visors and when they don't, it's just very confusing and kind of disjointed to me. I don't, mm, it's just, it's, it's a little bit anxious to watch. I feel like, I feel very strongly that this is probably Cynthia's last season. And I also feel like I've been slightly protective of Cynthia. Like, am I going to be here? Like, you know, we all know everybody thinks that Cynthia is like a true go girl. Give us nothing. She doesn't really add much to the cast of the storyline and stuff, but I have been a little bit protective of her and I really am like, Oh, you know, just keep her. She's nice. You know, (laughs) she's gorgeous. She's absolutely stunning. We usually get a scene with Leon, which is something I appreciate one or two times a season. And, you know, generally speaking, like, I, you know, she she gives us a little something every now and again. But to see Cynthia now be so... (sighs) She cares so much about this wedding, and I'm really confused about, like, what it is that she cares the most about. Like, do you want to marry Mike? Because when we saw you in these seasons leading up, when you guys were just engaged or together, dating and stuff... You know, she just seemed very obsessed with him, but maybe I was reading that wrong because now we're seeing how she's acting towards this wedding in the middle of COVID and, you know, we all know how that went. I, it's, I'm like, maybe I was just reading, maybe I was reading Cynthia wrong. I, I don't really understand what it is that she's doing. And I, it's something that like I struggle with because a lot of my feelings about this are probably could be categorized as ageist, but I just feel like we're at wedding number two. You're a woman of a certain age. If you don't get the, like my super sweet 16 big blowout wedding, everything's perfect. You know, is it really that big of a deal? If you're at a certain place in your life, a season, if you will, in Duggar speak, if you're at a season in your life, I, I would have to imagine if I was Cynthia's in Cynthia's position, I would just be like, I want this relationship. I've been waiting all of this time to find the man that was right for me. And so I don't really care about the wedding. I would love to celebrate with you in a big way, but like, it just feels like everybody's trying to look directly in Cynthia's eye and tell her the wedding's really not that big a deal. There are bigger, more important things and safety protocols that we have to take, you know, to ensure that everybody's safe for this wedding. Like, do we need to have a 250 person wedding? It's also weird. This is also kind of like a Kardashian situation. Where in that, like, when you watch Kim Kim with the Kardashians, it's like we know most of the storylines because they're famous in their own right. We hear these headlines. It's not like we were going to find out about Jordan and Tristan on the show. Like, of course, we were going to find out about this on TMZ. So then when you watch the seasons, it's like them kind of rehashing and explaining more what happened in their real lives and what happened in these headline stories, right? So kind of watching the season and watching, like, the process of of Cynthia planning this wedding that we know eventually happens, um, it's just kind of weird. I, I don't 
And this is why I really don't like dig too deep into people's Instagrams and, and all this stuff. I like to be in the show. I don't like to know everything before I get there and I'm just watching something else, you know? I I like to be a pure viewer. I don't like to be spoiled. Hate a spoiler. So, yeah. So, Cynthia and Mal go to yoga with Kenya. And <sighs> these women are flopping. I think of Kenya as a very, you know, athletic woman. We saw, you know, the exercise tape wars that she had <laughs> with with Phaedra and her donkey booty video <laughs> I wonder if I could find a donkey booty, booty DVD on eBay or something. So I'm thinking like, and, and you know, Cynthia's a model. She probably has a, a pretty strict workout regimen or she used to anyway. These women are flopping. It's like some pretty basic yoga. Uh, Kenya's saying, my hips are making noise. <laughs> probably because they haven't been moved in a sexual way in quite some time. They're not used to being wide open. Um, you know, Cynthia, then they sit down and Cynthia's saying, you know, she's really stressed about the wedding. And Mal chimes in and says, um, you know, Cynthia and I had a discussion. We had a discussion with Mike and it turned into kind of an argument. So Mal's like, I was there. What happened was we were at the venue checking out the space and Mike and I both had a come to Jesus moment or or tried to (laughs) have a come to Jesus moment with Cynthia and say, if there is a second wave, if things get worse, if, you know, things happen with COVID in a way that seems like less safe than it is at this moment. Do you really still need to get married on 1010? She looked at them and said, yes. And they're like, Cynthia, like what is going on? Do you want to marry Mike or do you want to have this wedding? Like what, what's, what's happening here? So Cynthia's like, girl, you should not have told Mike this. This episode was Cynthia one of Cynthia's finest hours. And by that, I mean, I don't mean that like I found her to be particularly entertaining or funny or whatever. Like, I don't think that she had a point, but this is, this was a quintessentially Kenya episode. I don't, I, how I feel about Kenya is kind of like, you know, that I, I the point is that I've been sitting in here and wondering like, <clears throat> All this, all these years that have gone by, do I like Kenya? And I think the answer to that must be no, <laughs> because I, I've been searching and thinking. Like I'm trying to understand what people are saying when they're like true Kenya stands. I'm trying to hear people out, but like she just doesn't. Something in my spirit it doesn't sit right when it comes to Miss Kenya Moore. Is she entertaining? Sure. Does she drive a storyline? Absolutely. Does she get in the mess that she doesn't need to and like really get things popping? 100%. Do I like her? No. I've heard in real life she's actually a very lovely, kind human being. She she doesn't do it for me. She just doesn't. Um, 
So this was quintessentially Kenya because she's just messy. We see her trauma come out. We see her reacting to situations, being completely petty, being um, rude unnecessarily, um, being provocative and saying things that she probably shouldn't, um, also being vulnerable and showing, you know, that she's had hurt in her life and she's trying to rectify situations. Like, it was just very, very Kenya Moore. So Kenya, you know, was telling Cynthia you absolutely should not have told Mike that you wanted to keep that date. But then she kind of has like a weird explanation. Her, in her mind, she's like, Cynthia, what you're telling Mike is that like, you've dedicated yourself. You've told everybody that you guys were going to get married on 1010 and yada, yada, yada. And now you're telling him that's not the important, that the date doesn't matter. Like you can't do that. No, the point is that like he should, she should want to get married to him regardless of the situation. <laughs> like, And so Cynthia's like, no, what I really meant was like, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, we'll go back to the drawing board as a couple and rethink stuff in terms of our wedding. And so Kenny is like, well, yeah, you said that, but now you're telling him like you're not sure. And so, Cynthia's like, okay, like I, I hear what you guys are saying now. I... I hear it. And so then Kenya proceeds to call her out like hell. And Cynthia's like, so you're telling me what Mike is hearing me say is that if I don't get married this day at this venue, that I'm not interested. And Kenya's like, no, I think what he's hearing is that you settled on this date. So it could be filmed. And unless that date produces a big show, then you don't want it. So (laughs) she just goes in on Cynthia and Cynthia and Sam like, like, Okay, so wow, you're breaking the fourth wall all the way down here. So basically what Kenya was like, bitch, you just want to be on the, have this wedding to be on the show. For it to be filmed for the show. And so Kenya's like, well, okay, if you're committing to this date, then why are you waffling on the date now? And it's like, well, she's waffling on the date because potential protocols with COVID. But that's, again, not the point. The point is that it seems like she wants this wedding more than she wants the marriage. The point, it has really nothing to do with the date per se. Um, but Kenya seems to be stuck up on the date of it all. So, you know, Cynthia's annoyed and is like, you know, I would never do anything for this show. And Mike knows that, but trust me when I say Kenya, that I'm not marrying the date. I'm marrying the man. But I hear you. And if this is what you're saying, he's receiving and how he's interpreting what I'm saying, then I need to go back to my man and correct that. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. So Cynthia says, like, you know, I'll marry him on the sidewalk if I have to. And Kenny and Mal are like, finally. Like, and now we've said it. This is what we needed to hear from you. You need to make sure that you have this conversation with Mike. And, and that he understands. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So then Kenya tells Cynthia, like, you know, I never want you to think that I'm not supportive of you, especially because, like, I still feel bad about what happened with the engagement last year. Y'all remember when she basically, like, went up to Cynthia minutes before she was about to be proposed to and be like, I think this is a big day. And you see Candy in the corner being like, bitch, why did you just tell her that? (laughs) Candy was so mad at her that day. know that I really identify as Candy and Candy was really killing it this episode like I was like yes I love when Candy just has like a fun time and she's cracking jokes at people I love it I love it earlier in the episode Riley told her that she wasn't as smart as her and that Candy really had sweet street smarts <laughs> that was that was cracking me up um so then we see Kenya and Candy meet up for lunch And so Kenya tells Candy, like, oh, I met up with Cynthia the other day, and she and Mike are having issues because of the date and with COVID and stuff. And Candy's like, listen, we have to, like, basically say, basically, like, being like, we have to be a little bit nicer to Cynthia because last time when she got married to um, bar one, they were broke. And so I understand that this might be the time where she wants to splash out and have that big fantasy wedding. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's be a little gentler towards Cynthia because, you know, her wedding last time was a little broke bitch. The theme was broke bitch. <laughs> uh, so Guinea's like, well, you know, the other thing I really felt bad about was the proposal and, you know, how I kind of almost blew it up for her. And so what I want to do is to plan this engagement, surprise engagement party for Cynthia to like show that I, you know, am supportive of this relationship, yada, yada. She's like, but, um, I was wondering if, um, maybe we could co headline the party and, and you could be the one who send out the invitations. And Candy's like, girl, 
<laughs> well, you want me to send out the invitations because I'm the glue. I'm the one that everybody likes. And you know that if I ask them to do something, that they're more likely to do it. And Kenny's like, no, that's not why. And it's like, okay, girl. Okay. So she agrees <laughs> to send out the invitations. Um, and so she's like, okay, well, Kenny, you need to stop acting like there are people at this party, the people who would be invited to this party who wouldn't say no to you if they found out it was you. So, um, so then Kenny is like, okay, well, I, since you want me to send out the invitations, can I invite Marlo and Portia people that's. Kenya has beef with. And so Kenya's like, yeah, you know, like, I have no problem with that. But, like, what's going on with Portia? I heard she got arrested. Again. And Kenya's like, what do you mean? Why would you say it like that? And Kenya's like, well, it just seems like maybe they're not fighting in the right way. You know, I saw her without a mask on at these protests. And, you know, that's not safe. And you're putting everybody at risk. And Kenya's like, listen. She's fighting to keep Brianna Taylor's name alive. So however she's doing it, she's getting it done. Thank you, Candy. Like, why? See, this is the shit that I don't like about Kenya. It's like, why are you picking this argument? Like, is this really the game you want to play? Is this the hill that you want to die on, Kenya? This, like, I'm going to try and pick apart the work that Porsche's doing? And be like, oh, like, I'm so concerned about COVID. Like, you're sitting here, not in the mask, but then you want to act all fake concerned about Portia and and her being safe and putting everybody else at risk. And, you know, what are her true intentions behind doing this? Like, I didn't like that. I don't, like, Portia's doing the work. We, at this point, like, I'm sure they've had the, um, the special that she was on with Andy, the conversation that she had with Andy and W. Kamau Bell that was on Bravo. It was truly incredible to watch. First of all, because of the insight, you know, it was a good conversation to be having on television. But secondly, Portia came off as so intelligent, so highly educated on the subject, so well-spoken, so like just incredible it was incredible showing on Porsche's part so for Kenya to even like plant these seeds of why doubt in terms of why Porsche's doing what she's doing and what her motivations are like it was just it's just gross to me I don't like it and I don't even like the suggestion of it and I don't know why what in her mind would make her think that this would be the path to go down you'll see what I mean like this is what strips Kenya of her iconic status to me. Like, I just don't... There are places we don't need to go. And this is one of them for me. This is one of them. Then we get a next scene with Drew and that demon husband of hers, Ralph. They're having a a counseling session with a woman named Love. I didn't even make it past the fact that her name was Love to to see what her official credentials were. I'm just going to say that she's a therapist or counselor because that's what she was doing. Um, So Drew, you know, was saying, you know, we've been to counseling before, but 
you know, Ralph always backs out when it's time to do the homework and then he doesn't want to go back. And so we've been down this road several times and then it just ends up that Ralph cuts us short. This, I, whoo, whoo, Ralph is one of the most horrible men that I've seen on TV. And he's, he's so bad. Like, surely through most of people as humans, most people will go, the average person will see that they're, if they're, okay, (laughs) I'm so upset that I'm, I'm rambling. If you, the average person, if they know that they're going to be on TV, on a reality show, something within them is going to tell them to be, present their best self, right? Even if their best self is not like a perfect version of them, they're at least going to try to come off as like fully formed, complicated human beings who deserve love and respect and nuance. This is Ralph's best self, you guys. This is a Ralph who thinks that he is so correct and that all of his conventions convictions are worthy of hearing and respecting. This man needs so much fucking help. I don't even know where to start. Like this is a damaged human being and I can't even feel bad because the way that he treats Drew Somebody who I'm like, as a person, I'm like, eh, Andrew, like, she seems like a very sweet girl. I don't know how she's going to work as a housewife, but clearly her relationship is so compelling that we have gotten so much of it. I, in terms of her marriage, I am like, ugh, I just want to like, I want to wrap her up in a cozy, cozy blanket put her in a basket and just, you know, send her to like Ina Gardens, Hampton's mansion. Just, you know, Drew and, Drew and Ralph need to, Ralph, Ralph needs to go to the red table because there's some healing that needs to be done. Ralph is a, it's, it's astonishing to me. It's not astonishing to me that people are bad and that there are people that are just like at their core, bad people and don't, he doesn't get it. He thinks he's right. That's the wild part is that he thinks that he is a hundred percent correct. And that he, seeing that conversation where Drew is calmly trying to explain to him why he can't just leave and be incommunicado for days at a time when you have children and a wife at home trying to contact you and figure out where you are and then she has to sit here and coddle you like a fucking baby and try to figure out where did you go for those mystery three days finally he says Tampa which I'm like it's so out of it's so out of left field and it seemed out of left field because Drew was like, what do you have in Tampa that you would go to Tampa? It, it, <laughs> it was either a blatant lie or it's so wacky that it's true. Like he is so weird. I would believe that Ralph would just randomly go to Tampa for no fucking reason, just because he's mad. 
Like, Ralph is the guy who goes to Florida to gain some perspective. <laughs> you know? Let's let's really let that sink in. <laughs> and listen, I'm, you know, I grew up in Georgia. I've been to many a Florida beach. But, you know, it, am I going to escape from my family and be like, oh, let's go to Tampa and have a good time. <laughs> really let it all go, you know? The fact that she had to sit there and he literally was like, I don't really see what, I genuinely don't see what the issue is with me escaping from my family. I don't understand why I have to give you the info, sorry, have to give you the information of where I went. I don't understand why that's relevant. I don't understand why it matters. Ooh, I hate somebody who says, when you ask a question, you want to know information. They say, I don't know why it matters. And they don't want to tell you. Like, uh, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> oh, I do not like Ralph. And I hope I do not catch him in these streets. I won't be going to Tampa any soon, anytime soon. So maybe, <sighs> maybe that'll help. So, um, you know, so we saw that conversation on their anniversary where they had dinner and he's going off on her and not listening to her. And clearly she is over this relationship, but wants to stay in, in it for enter reason here. God knows why footage not found. I don't have the answer for you. So she says that their dinner fight that they had was the last episode was the worst of their fights, which I do not believe. <laughs> I, I not as, chance in hell that I believe that, that was the worst fight that they've ever had. Um, but she's like, you know, since that we decided that we needed to work on our relationship. So love the therapist asked like, okay, what are the issues? What are three issues that you guys have with this relationship? So Drew goes first and she says something like the first thing is that I want him to have genuine love for my nine-year-old son. So she had a son prior to marrying Drew or marrying Ralph. She had this kid. I think Ralph and Drew got into a relationship when her son was three. So when you say, my first thing is that I want him to have genuine love for my son... What's happening there? Because she kind of unpacks it, but then she, again, this is a woman. This is why I can say there's no possible way that that was the worst fight they had because this is a woman who's clearly trained herself and has mentally prepared for herself to like, uh, defend him, defend their relationship and clean things up. So it doesn't sound as bad. So you're talking he met, they met when he was three. He's nine years old. Six years now. Of this child living in a house and having a stepfather. where You're basically saying that, like, I don't feel that Ralph is genuinely loving my child. Girl, get out of this relationship. Because she kind of, like, tries to backtrack and says, you know, you know, I just feel like Ralph might be more, um, give more tough love to my son than his biological children. And I just, you know, I just, I I just could not believe (laughs) that basically she's saying that like, 
Ralph treats his son differently than he does with the children that they have together. How fucking awful that must be for that child. What? And this is where my issue with Drew, I'm putting my foot down. Like, if he's not treating your son with the respect and your son feels like an outsider in this relationship, not in this relationship, but in his own home and relationship, like within his family and his home, like that is a huge problem. That is a huge problem. And if that is your number one issue and we've seen how bad your relationship at, like without having conversations about this ch- child, I mean, how badly is he treating Ralph if, if this is, you know, like, it, oof, oof, that, it makes me feel, it makes me feel. So then she says, you know, I also really want transparency. So, you know, like Ralph doesn't take her another random trip to Tampa without telling anybody or if he wants to decide to, you know, take a break by going ghost hunting in Syracuse or go on like a praline crawl in New Orleans. Like we at least have some transparency. So I know where the fuck you are, husband. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So then Ralph says, you know, all I need is respect and sex. And this is where you pop somebody in the back of their head and you don't want to, because violence is not the answer. Physicality is never the answer. But when your hand hits somebody in the back of the head, like you really can't, you know, what can you really say? So when that moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie, You can say that's some bullshit, Ralph. What the fuck are you talking about? What respect and sex. And so Dr. Love is like, I don't know that she's a doctor. Therapist Love is like, what, how much sex do you need? And it's like, why are we even entertaining this? Drew just said some really real shit about how her, her husband has basically abandoned her biological child. And you're like, oh, Ralph. How much sex do you need, sir? How can we make this work for you? And he's like, well, I think, you know, a minimum three times a week. But, you know, that's like a bare minimum. Like, he's doing her a favor by saying three times a week. And this is like some machismo bullshit. Like, you don't need sex. Like, no, certain people have very high sex drives. But it's always like these alpha, you know, I want to be alpha male. Like, I need respect. I need to go to Tampa because I'm a man and you were respecting me as a man. So I had to go to South Florida to find it. And I need sex. I need to spread your legs. And I need you to respect me as a man. Fuck off. Fuck off. (sighs) The event says, you know, like she needs to treat him like a man and not emasculate him. This was so fucking crazy. And again, another thing that seemed to just be completely glazed over. He turns to Drew and says, I need you to treat me like a man and not to emasculate me like your mom does to your father. (laughs) See, and that's where you hit two pops in the back of your head. This was such a like giving me flashes of Michael and Ashley when she wanted to have a, a baby. 
I think this was maybe season two. And he sat there with his wet eyes and that thin papery skin and told her that I'm afraid to have children with you because I saw how your mom raised you. If that is not the height of fucking disrespect, like I would beat his ass, grab his wig, put a glass over his head, like drag, drag him, drag him, Monique, drag him. I could not let you tell me that you think that my, sir, that you have anything bad to say about my mom, that you think that my mom has behaved so poorly and that you've observed that and that you're so afraid of how my mom acts that you're afraid that I'm going to like pick up on it and, and, and continue that cycle. Fuck you. Let it say something about my mother. I could not believe, see, out of control, out of control. And you want me to have sex with you? Uh, No, no, no. Drew is clearly frustrated. I feel so bad for her. Then the therapist is like, okay, Ralph, tell me about your growing up. And it's like, at this point, I don't fucking feel sorry for him, but it certainly illuminated the situation. It certainly explained a lot for me. So, He says, you know, his father left when he was young. So he, in his words, he assumed the role of the man of the house and, but he felt like his mom wasn't respecting him. So one day he basically was like, you don't respect me enough. You're on your own. Take care of yourself. He went to go live with his dad. And then it gets kind of confusing because I mean, he clearly said that his mom, after he left, was evicted. But then he kind of says it like, we were homeless. But you just said that you moved with your dad. But then he was like, oh, and then we were evicted. I'm I'm just confused about what's happening here. But um, what was clear to me is that I don't, you know, I'm not going to say anything about how his mom treated. I don't know if there was like substance issues or what was going on with them. But what I heard from his telling of the situation is that he, his father left for whatever reason. He was not in his life for whatever reason. He sort of hints that like his dad was, it it sounds very much like a divorced kid who doesn't know the whole story to me where he is now like classic one parent leaves you're stuck, not stuck with, but like you're living with the other one and now you hate the one that's raising you and you have now martyred the one that left, not knowing the full story, not, you know, thinking in your mind of like, oh, my mom kept me away from my dad. And it's like, of course those things really happen. But what was the real truth here? What was the real truth? It's like, why did your father... Why was your dad really not around? Why did you really, why were you really not able to make those moments with him? Like what really went on? Why, why was your father not able to be, I just said that. Why was he not able to be around? Because is it because of your mom or is it because maybe he just wasn't really to be a parent? So it sounds like he really hates his mom and resents her for whatever reason. And that he has 
put his dad on this pedestal of like, my dad tried so hard, you know, my mom forced me into this position of like, I was being a man. Like he made her, her mom, his mom sound like she was a loser, basically like incapable of caring for him and his siblings. I think he said he had siblings. He basically had to be the man. And as soon as he left and left her to her own devices, everything fell apart. I just need to know more about that. Because it sounds like he is angry at the wrong people. I, 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 but I, I felt like it was very illuminating of like, oh, he hates women. <laughs> Regardless of what, it, what the details are, the result in the current day is that he hates women. He doesn't respect women. He doesn't feel like he feels like he has to do a lot of work and that he gets no respect. Like he's fucking Rodney Dangerfield. So then he said, you know, after my mom got evicted, that was the first time she ever said thank you to me. And it was just like the way he said it just felt, I don't know. Like clearly there's a lot of complicated issues and compl- complexities going on with his growing up and his adolescence, but mm, not good. Not good. So the therapist is like, okay, so what I'm picking up on is that like, your response when you feel disrespected is to leave because you felt disrespected with your mom, you left, and then you got that satisfaction of getting an apology from her. So when you feel disrespected in your relationship with Drew, that's why you went off to fucking Tampa. You left in the hopes that you would get what you wanted, which was uh, uh, some sort of appreciation, acknowledgement, apology, whatever from Drew. Okay. Okay, uh, my like if I were a therapist, I would be like, "Yeah, oh, that sounds really fucking immature. You can't just leave. You need to find a way to communicate." But we didn't see her say that, did we? <laughs> I'm mad at this therapist because I feel like she really didn't hold him accountable, and she really put a lot of the onus on Drew. And I th- thought that was really unfair because it seemed very obvious that he has shit that he needs to deal with, and that this is not the responsibility of Drew Sedora. So Drew gets upset and is like, you know, thank you. Exactly. She says, I shouldn't have to be responsible for what his mom did. And I've sat out counseling on my own to do one-on-one therapy and I'm doing the work. And then she tells Drew, like, she tells the therapist tells Drew to not focus on the past and to let, Ralph proves himself in the future. And it's like, that's some bullshit. What? (laughs) It's like, like, don't, don't worry about all the things that he's done to you. Like, just focus, focus on the now. And it's like, okay, well, we, he's been in therapy for about seven minutes at this point. Like how, you know, (laughs) how much progress can she expect? So Drew says, you know, at this point, oh, and then, and then, So Drew gets upset. She starts like tearing up and the therapist says, okay, Ralph, and what would you do in this situation? And then he looks at her, the therapist, and he looks at Drew and then he hugs her. And it just felt like, okay, that should have been a very eye-opening experience in which you, the therapist should not have led him and guided him towards being kind to her 
to Drew. She should have just said it. Like, I noticed that here Drew is upset and you're not comforting her. Or what, Drew, what would you need in this moment right now? Do you want him to come and cuddle you and give you that physical touch? Like, what do you need from, when you're upset, what is it that you need from him? Not like, Ralphie, what do you say? Like, you know, it's like giving a gift to a child and they're like, what do you say? What do you do right now, Ralphie? Give her a hug. Like, that doesn't solve anything. I'm going to look up uh, Lady Love, the therapist, and I just have some suggestions for her. So Drew says, you know, I'm tired of his apologies. All he does is apologize to me. I need action at this point. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. So let's end out our storyline with them. Unfortunately, we, that is basically almost the last we see of Drew. Um, We find out that Ralph's father had a heart attack and passed away. So they end up going to North Carolina for the funeral and all that stuff. And Ralph kind of mentions like, well, Drew asks Ralph like, oh, do you have, you know, memories of him like growing up, you know, like the classic, you know, throwing the football and going to football games. And because he mentioned something about his dad was like a, a New York Giants fan. And he was like, no, you know, we never really got to do those things. And, you know, now that I was an adult, you know, we didn't get to do those things because like basically hinting at like my mom wouldn't let me see him or there were like you know my dad tried so hard to see me but like he just couldn't he wasn't allowed to you know so now as an adult I was trying to like rectify that stuff and it's like I I feel for him I really do but I think when it comes to children of divorce I don't think it's necessary that you know, like, the whole story to what went on between your parents breaking up. But I think there needs to be some context given so that, like, you're not completely biased towards one. Like, there needs to be, unfortunately, a conversation about how your parents are human beings and how they're flawed and how, you know, where am I going with this? (laughs) he clearly needs healing and he needs context as to like what what went on when he was growing up so he's not so angry towards his mom and also on the other side of that it's like fortunately you might have some different feelings about your dad that isn't like the superhero thing but that's okay because at least it's honest okay so next scene Lauren calls Cynthia Portia's sister, Lauren. And she's like, you know, I really want to plan a surprise party for Portia. We want to show her some appreciation for all the work that she's doing. And um, Cynthia's like, that's great. Is Kenya invited? And Lauren's like, eh, you know, I really don't. I She wasn't on my list of invites. <laughs> but Cynthia, you can bring her. If you think that she has good intentions, I'm fine with that. So then Cynthia calls Kenya and tells her. You know, first of all, Mike and I are good. We had a conversation. Everything's good. And then we see this clip (laughs) of Cynthia FaceTiming Mike and being like, oh, Mike, I was just practicing our vows. And then we get another clip of Cynthia practicing her vows to Mike with a mannequin, a naked mannequin. (laughs) And Mike's like, I don't have my titties aren't that big. (laughs) Help us all. Help us all. So... 
yeah, she says she invites Kenya to the party, and Kenya was like, you know, um, you know, I wish that I could have parties to celebrate all the, all the work that I do and all the things that I do, and it's like, why was that necessary? I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so then we get Tanya meeting up with Marlo and Portia. Marlo wants to know what's happening with Portia and Dennis. And Portia's like, we have broken up. We needed to just take a clean break. No man. She's like, I'm not entertaining any conversations about us getting back together. That's not where we're at. We have a decent enough co-parenting situation. I'm thankful for that. And that's what I'm focused on. And Marlo's like, I bet you a thousand dollars. You guys are going to be back together in the next 90 days. And Portia's like, girl, I'm getting a Chanel purse every day from Dennis just for being a co-parent. So you're going to have to put a little bit more money up on that. Cause I'm getting a Chanel bag every day, girl, a thousand dollars doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and so it turns out that Dennis is gifting her and we get a, a whole flash of all these Chanel bags, you know, the classic black quilt pattern. She got a fuzzy blue one. She got another like limited edition one. And he's giving her these things. And of course she's like, listen, I don't want Dennis to get the wrong idea. I don't want him to get the wrong impression about where this relationship may or may not be going. But I will let him know these gifts can keep coming. Don't let that stop you. (laughs) Amen, girl. Amen. Um, so she's like, you know, he even knows now not to, if you're going to give me a gift, don't put the card out saying like, I want to get back together. I love you. Please take me back. But she's like, he knows now that I won't even, I won't even open the gift. If that's what it says. She said, so now he'll put in a card and say like, I bet you can't wear this in jail. <laughs> or <laughs> <Dennis>. <laughs> Giving somebody a Chanel bag and say, I bet you can't wear this in jail. Dennis, you know, go put some relish on a hot dog. Um, so then he says, Lena, like, um, thank you for being an amazing mother to Pilar on another card. And she's like, I was, well, I'll take these. Like, anything that has to do with me being a good mommy, I will take those gifts. Thank you. So Marla's like, well, I just don't want you to get addicted to all these expensive gifts and Portia just laughs because what 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 other reaction are you gonna get when Marlo labels Hampton looks you in your face and tells you I don't want you to get addicted to all these expensive gifts Marlo (laughs) who bought you that outfit girl Remember when Marlo said somebody asked her how she got all her money I think it was Kenya and Marlo said she got it from God (laughs) where does your money come from Kenya Marlo God (laughs) didn't she say like a couple episodes ago that she never had a sugar daddy people just thought that she had one because (laughs) she dated old white guys just because they were old rich and white but they're not my sugar daddies I was in real no you were not in real relationships with those men Marlo okay Oh, I just thought that was so funny. Marlo trying to give you perspective on luxury items. Girl. <laughs> so then we get Cynthia 
she calls Kenya and Kenya's like, oh, you know, they're getting ready for Portia's surprise party. Kenya's getting her hair and makeup done. Um, Cynthia, Cynthia FaceTimes Kenya and Kenya's like, oh, you know, um, this is actually like kind of something I'm looking forward to going to Portia's party because I bought this gift for Pilar for her birthday. But like, I guess Pilar was supposed to have a birthday party and then maybe it got canceled because of COVID. She's like, you know, I had this thing, this Rosa Parks Barbie doll that I bought for her. And Cynthia's like, oh, yeah, that's really great about the gift. Um, got some bad news. Uh, she's like, I got a text from Portia's sister, Lauren, and she said basically that she was feeling apprehensive about you coming and she didn't even want to have a chance at the night being ruined. So she is making me um, un- uninvite you. <laughs> Can't come. And Ken is like, oh, that is really fucked up. Like, what am I going to do there? Protest at her celebration? And it's like, well, Kenya, there are a, a lot of things you can do. And that comes up later. <laughs> so then Kenya turns to production and was like, did you guys know about this? And they're like, no, this is the first we're just hearing about it. And we had no idea. Why? I have a question is that why did they break the fourth wall with Kenya so much? I noticed this like a couple years ago when she dated um, that like, what was it, Matt. She dated that younger guy, that younger muscular guy, Matt, who ended up punching her um, garage door because it was made out of glass. He ended up punching some of the panels of the garage door. They started breaking the fourth wall with her then. And it's so interesting to me, like, it's like Kenya's on almost on a different show sometimes where it's almost like she's on Teen Mom 2 where we see her have these like full-on conversations with production but really with the rest of the cast they rarely break the fourth wall on Housewives period but it's like they do it so much with Kenya it happens multiple times a season for the past few seasons now I just I wonder why specifically they always do it with Kenya it's very interesting does anybody else notice that it's a lot of fourth wall breaking with Kenya. So, um, so Kenya's like, okay, well, somebody's got to pay for my hair and makeup. Cause I got it done professionally to go to this event. And if I'm not going, then y'all are going to pay. So then Cynthia's like still on the phone at this point. She's like, well, don't shoot the messenger. Like, I'm just telling you what she said. So then Kenya sits back down. And in the chair, she calls Kenya, excuse me, Candy. And she's like, um, once you get to Portia's surprise party, do you mind telling all the girls about the party that we're going to have for Cynthia? And she's like, yeah, no problem. Kenya's like, well, yeah, I, I need you to tell them because I um, just got uninvited. <laughs> like, I can't go. And so... Then Kenya, again, it's like two steps forward, two steps back. Like, I understand you would feel some type of way about getting uninvited, especially as you're getting ready. I get it. But then she goes on to say, like, I just feel like this party for Portia is really self-serving and fake and an opportunity for her. And, like, I just wonder why, like, don't you think it's strange that the only time Portia gets arrested, she's on camera? Like, basically saying, like, I am really wanting people to think that like Portia's just like this fake bitch who's fake activist and doing all these things to make herself look good and I see right through it and I do not like that 
Kenya, this was not the road to go down. Not it. Because even if, let's say this is, we live in a world in which Portia is doing this in some, there's some part of her that's like narcissistic and really enjoys the attention. Okay. I, I, it would have to be really egregious for me to call it out. Because at the end of the day, never mind. I just, I don't like, I don't see, I don't see what, what Kenya is seeing in the situation to call it out. And I think it's a really bad look on her part. A really bad look. And I think she should have taken the reaction when she said that the first time to Candy and saw how Candy reacted to her suggesting that Portia was fake and should have just shut up at that point. You know, you put it out there. It was not received well. You let it go. We don't need to continue this narrative. So Candy's like, well, if that's how you feel, if you think that she's getting arrested as an opportunity (laughs) to be on camera, then maybe you shouldn't come to this party anyway. It seems like it would probably be pretty awkward for you if this is how you feel. Right? (laughs) And Kenya's like, no, I would play nice and I would respect what they're doing. And then we get Candy in a talking head and she's like, um, I can remember a few times when you weren't respectful at events, girl. (laughs) She goes, Kenya, more hair care. Like, girl, come on. (laughs) Uh, so Cynthia shows up to Portia's and she's like, well, I, I brought a gift. Portia's not here at this point. So Tanya, Portia and Marlo are still hanging out. People are arriving to Portia's surprise party. So Tanya is supposed to be taking her back to her house and, you know, be the person who leads the surprise. So Cynthia shows up. Lauren's obviously getting everything ready and she's like, oh, you know, I um, uh, brought a gift from Kenya and immediately Lauren's like, oh, is Kenya mad? <laughs> oh, Lauren. So she's like, I just didn't want any issues. Blah, blah, blah. Lauren's a very nice girl. You know, she was just doing the best she could. So we get, you know, more of the new ladies that we saw last week. Fallon, gorgeous. Latoya, also gorgeous. They're all talking about how tall Cynthia is. And Fallon's like, I, you know, if I had your height, I would have a very different life. Like, for one, I would not have all these kids. <laughs> and they're like, how many kids do you have? She's like, well, my husband has five. I have three, so that's eight. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and somebody's like, oh, I think Latoya Toya was like, oh, how old is your husband? Fallon's like, oh, he's 56. And Toya goes, oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Fallon looks over to her and is like, what do you mean? Of course. She's like, well, you look, you look like somebody who would be with an older guy. Like we all know what this is. (laughs) Like, listen, is Toya wrong? No. Is Toya saying the quiet thing out loud? Absolutely. I didn't disagree with her. I don't know if it's slut shaming to be like, girl, you look like you like a, a older rich man. Is that slut shaming? Probably. 
Is it incorrect? I mean, technically, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say somebody to say somebody that you look like that, but I'm, I don't disagree with Latoya. That's that's the truth. Y'all, I would have absolutely screamed if I heard Toya say that. That would have been, that would have made my whole night. It would have made my whole night. <laughs> so Candy's like horrified. And she's like, Toya is like Kenya on steroids. Like, this is only going to go bad. <laughs> so Portia finally shows up. She realizes like what's happening. Tanya's driving her up. And we hear Portia. We don't see her, but we hear her in the car saying, Lauren's car is still here, that lying little bitch. <laughs> Clearly Lauren told her, like, oh, I'm not going to be at the house. Um, so then she's like, oh, wait, what's happening? She realizes it's for her, starts crying. They have in the driveway set up all these blown up pictures of Portia um, protesting and of Hosea Williams, her grandfather, and of them together holding her when she's a baby and like, you know, really tying the, the, you know, the threads of history of the family together, right? Really sweet moment. And then Portia's like, oh, this is great. The rest of the party's in the back. So they're just like standing in the, in the driveway and she's like, okay, she's having her emotional moment. And then Portia's like, is this it? <laughs> like no we, we have a party in the back she's like oh, okay thank you <laughs> um so Borges says you know like it's kind of awkward to have them celebrate me and the work that I'm doing but I'm really grateful and then she goes inside to like change a little bit and Cynthia and Candy are out there trying to get to know LaToya not Toya and um uh Fallon and they're like oh how old are you guys and they're like oh we're 31 and 33 and Candy's like oh I could have babysat y'all and then she turns to Cynthia and goes but you could have babysat me <laughs> Cynthia's like I probably could have had you <laughs> frankly and Candy's like you know I I am feeling how old I am so I know that Cynthia must be really hurting having a conversation with these women in their thirties. So <laughs> Cynthia, um, Portia comes out and she gives Portia the gift from Kenya. And she's like, you know, I just wanted to let you know this is from Kenya. And, you know, Cynthia's like, or excuse me, Portia's like, listen, Kenya and I have been off and on for years. So I'm just kind of like, whatever on her, like, we can exist in the same space. I don't need to talk to her, but I also like, we don't have to get into it. I'm just like, whatever. So then Portia stands up and does a speech and is like, you know what? I'm, I appreciate the love and support from you guys. And I'm just feeling like this is my calling. She's like, I wake up, she's like, I go to bed every night. Like you guys do with tears in my eyes. I wake up and I wipe those tears and I do the work because the days of complacency are over and I'm, I'm here to do the work. So shout out to you, Portia Luther King. Salute a bad bitch when you see one. No justice, no peace. All right. That's the end of the episode. I'm very much looking forward to next episode. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I really am. And I hope you guys are too. Stick with it. All right, y'all. Talk to you later. Hello 
everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. We're in 2021, y'all. And you know how that thing of like, once the new year rolls around, you have to transition sometimes into like remembering, oh, I'm in this year, not last year. Not happening for me. I 2020 who? Like, I am so done with that bitch. I, you know, shout out to Carrie Bradshaw. We are so over... We need a new word for over. Like, I am done. I'm so happy to be in 2021. And I know, like, you guys know me. You listen to me week in and week out. Y'all know I, optimist would not be on the top 25 words that you would use to describe me. I am very much a realist. I don't have, like, a rosy outlook on much. (laughs) Anything, really. That being said... You know, like, I just, I don't want you guys to get the impression that I think, like, oh, this is going to be, like, everything's going to be great and better because it's a new year. No. With that being said, I think that we all should give each other a little bit of levity and say, I'm glad it's over. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But we're in a new year and that means that there are new things that we have set up for our future that are coming. And those are things to look forward to. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about taking a shot. I'm excited about taking one shot and then, you know, monitoring my side effects and symptoms. And then six weeks later, taking the other shot and being like, ow, my arm hurts. But you know what? Thank God eventually this is leading me down the path of doing something that I have been fantasizing about for weeks now, which is getting what I deserve and what was taken from me last year. And that was the ability to be at a club that I really, you know, I'm not a club girl, you guys, but I have been just thinking in my head and I've been hearing the thumbing beats of boom. Boom, 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 boom. And I've been thinking about how I deserve to be at like a boozy brunch or like some douchebag club in the meatpacking district and like twerk to WAP until I, somebody needs to call like an ambulance, an ambulance, (laughs) an ambulance. Or, you know, there needs to be some sort of, like, heat, ice situation applied to my lower back. I deserve, I deserve to have my knees hurting the following day because I, you know, like, I, I want to listen to, like, Like a G6 so loud. (laughs) That I can't even remember my name. Like, this is where 2020 has taken me. Is that, like, I want to do the most obnoxious things that I would never in my life do in a, under normal circumstances. That's what I want to do. I want to, you know, wear heels and trip over them. I want to get in a fight with somebody on the street. You know, I want to make friends with that girl. That girl that you meet at the bar, you guys, how badly do you miss that girl that you meet at the bar in the line for the bathroom and you guys are best friends and you're like, oh my God, you look cute. You look cute. 
I love you so much. I love you so much. These are the things that I deserve and I'm excited and I'm looking forward to having those things come back. That's what I'm saying. So I hope you guys are having a very good outlook on 2021. I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) So this week is going to be a little bit different, you guys. I am going to take another week off from 90 Day Fiance, but I truly would be remiss if I did not talk about it the last episode. Well, at this point, it would be two episodes ago at the time of you listening to this. But wow, we what a what a week to take off. And I have a feeling that I might even regret it this week. But in its replacement, I'm going to be recapping the premiere of Real Housewives of Dallas on Wednesday. So you'll get that on Wednesday. Um, more than likely you will get, uh, Salt Lake City on Friday, 50-50 on that. But in the following week, we'll be back with a regular scheduled program, regular Monday episodes, 90 Day Fiance on Wednesday, Salt Lake on Friday. Um, okay. So what do I want to talk about with regards to 90 Day Fiance? Wow. I think we're really getting a taste of the dynamics. And if you guys don't listen to 90 Day Fiance Slumber Party, I highly recommend you do. Um, They brought up a great point, which is that the women, the sisters are really doing it for themselves this season in a way that we haven't seen in quite some time is that they all have strong personalities. They say how they feel. They say what they mean. They are, you know, just wholeheartedly and unabashedly themselves and they let that be known. And I love it. I truly love it. I'm really loving Yara. Yara had a conversation with Jovi. They went to a furniture store. Jovi didn't like the rug that she picked out. So he went from calling it their apartment to my apartment I don't want that in my apartment and Yara shut him the fuck down you guys this is my my call to arms every season get into 90 day fiance we're only a few episodes into the new season so if you haven't watched it or if you dipped out this I think truly is a season worth watching we've got all new people and they're all compelling so Yara shut him the fuck down and I really appreciate that they're saying because you guys, women, younger women who might be listening to this podcast, never put yourself in a position to which a man is making promises to you financially, because as soon as he doesn't like what's happening or he's not getting his way or he feels like whatever, it goes quickly from like our stuff, we, we, we to me, me, me. And don't let a man ever do that to you guys. Never let a man take control of you financially. Never let a man put themselves in a position where you're offering something that you really don't want to offer to somebody. And if you're going to be like nasty about it when you don't get your way, then you're not really being kind and generous and you're being abusive. Truly. Anyway. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, who's next? Julia, Brandon and Julia. Brandon has whatever term... Every term that I'm trying to think of is like very gendered and, you know, like I'm trying not to carry that into the new year. Whatever term you want to use for a person who has no, uh, no agency over their life, no um, desire or willingness to stand up for themselves because they've never had to. His parents are, they, everybody needs a break. Everyone needs a break from that relationship. They don't need to be living with each other. They don't even need to be living in the same town. They need a good six months where they don't see each other in person. And I would say, we like, I need this to be a jail situation. Like, one phone call a week, 20 minutes. You keep it very polite, just to strict updates about your life, anything that's important. They need a break from each other. They really do. And he needs to grow up and if he wants to be married, he needs to be married and not let his parents regulate his relationship. Granted, are they living in his home, in their home? Yes. Are there certain rules that people can apply when you're living in their home and, you know, you're probably taking care of them financially? Absolutely. With that being said, um, you can't regulate somebody's relationship. And there was a point where they were going back to the farm and they were telling Julia, oh, you're going to have to do this on the farm. You're going to have to do that on the farm. You're going to have to do this. And Julia says in an interview, like, they're not asking me if I want to do any of this. They're telling me that I have to, like, take on all of these tasks on the farm. And I just feel like if that's not something that you guys have discussed prior to that, then... That's just a weird assumption to make. People should, you know, pick up the slack and, and work for their thing. But, like, she's not marrying his parents. She's marrying him. So, really, this conversation needs to be had between him and his parents. Between what it is, like, she's not working to, <laughs> like, working to be in this family. She's marrying him. She's marrying your son. I thought that was very a very insightful thing of her. Um, Amelia? No, what's her name? The French one. <laughs> Andrew and Amira. Wow. Wow. That was a cliffhanger that I've never seen before of them trying to navigate their way through the U.S. government <laughs> and the immigration system by having French Amira fly into Mexico. They were going to hang out in Mexico for two weeks and then try to get into America that way 
via Mexico because she can't get into the country because of the travel restrictions due to COVID. She can't get into the country as a citizen of the European Union. So they're trying to do this. And then he gets to the airport and he gets a call. He gets a voicemail from Amira's father saying that she has gotten detained in Mexico. He has no idea how to get in touch with her. No idea of like the next steps to take. He's standing there in the airport. Like I just landed. My fiance has been detained. I don't speak Spanish. What the fuck do I do? Where is she? Where do I go from here? He can't call the consulate in France because he landed on the weekend and they're not open. No information and no way to even begin the steps of getting information. Wild, wild, wild. We have never seen this on the show where somebody's been like straight up detained. I I don't know what happens and I'm so excited to find out. It sounds like a nightmare situation, especially because Andrew had been pushing Amira to do this vacation in order to come to America because before her visa expires. Wow. And now look at the dilly of a pickle that he put her in. Detained. Detained. Um, Stephanie, you guys. Wow. We have seen many a cougar come on this show and they have for the most part, been birds of a feather, birds of a, you know, dry, crunchy, curly hair feather. They really knocked it out of the park with Stephanie. I have a few thoughts on her. Stephanie is a cat lady. We see Stephanie feed her cat a heaping spoonful of key lime yogurt. Loved it. Couldn't ask for anything more. (laughs) It was the antithesis of every like cat man that we see on the show. I was delighted and I loved it. She is a woman of the beauty industry. She has a med spa, two med spas in um, suburban Michigan, Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids, Michigan. For any of you guys who are wondering. Um, She is... A woman of a certain age, she's in her 50s. However, she is, you know, taking uh, supplements to uh, re-trigger some of the natural things that happen in our body in order to get that youthful appearance. She is um, seemingly a bit of an airhead. I, you guys, I'm just going to say this is a hot take. I think she, I think some pills accidentally get into her mouth and they're swallowed and they're ingested and that there are side effects that come from the ingestion of those pills accidentally. I watch it, watch her eyes, watch the very slow blinking. She at one point brings her friend slash medium over to read her tarot cards, to um, talk to her about her relationship with her, um, what is he, 26-year-old um, Belize, what do you call somebody from Belize? Belizean? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I'm stumped. Um, she's being clearly taken advantage of financially by this man. She is 
working hard and diligently on a hula hoop championship. World record she's working on. She wants to log 100 hours of hula hooping. (laughs) Oh my god. She is a self-described cougar. She does not mind the word. She is a woman who... Says, you know, she never had interest in getting married, never had interest in having kids, really hadn't been in a very serious relationship over time. She met this guy in Belize, and now she's spending all of that beautiful med spa money on watches and trips and um, other sorts of financial things. He clearly, um, you know, they haven't been able to see each other because her first scene... <clears throat> they show up the time. It is August of 2020. So we're talking, you know, five months tops ago. Um, their relationship, she tells us, has suffered from the distance and from not being able to travel due to COVID. He has been withdrawn, hard to find, hard to communicate with, all of the above, to the point where she has to call his mother to check in to see have you heard from Ryan today because I'm just trying to see where he's at because he's not answering my phone calls or my whatsapp messages and uh yeah she's very clearly being taken advantage of and I love her and I'm so excited for her journey um let's move on to the next topic that I wanted to talk about Y'all, this is a show that I never talk about because I just have to keep some shows to myself. And that is RuPaul's Drag Race. I am a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, y'all. Season 13 is back. It aired on January 1st. How did we feel about this? It was a starkly different format, obviously, due to COVID. They had to implement a lot of different things. We saw, I have not seen, admittedly, every season of Drag Race. I started, I think, maybe around season eight or seven. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if they did this right off the bat before, but the lip sync for your life two by twos that they did and like dividing the cast members up based on who won and who lost. And I just felt like there needed to be more explanation. Like if, you guys are going to drastically change the format of the show. Like it just felt like we were chucked in to the show and we were like, just supposed to pick this up really quickly. And it just didn't really make sense. Like they're introducing this pork chop thing, which I understand like pork chop was the first one to get eliminated on her season. And then there was like a whole hall of fame of other Queens that had been eliminated in the first episode. And, and then they, you know, they're dividing them and I don't really get it. I just felt like there needed to be a lot more like we needed to be walked through the format. Is this going to be like a one episode thing and we're going back to the regular and they're just trying to like spice things up for the premiere or is this going to be the whole season? And like, what are you guys do? Like, what are we? I don't I just didn't really understand a lot of it. And it wasn't like, if this is purely being done for entertainment values, like, I don't really need it. I would just stick to the, the, the other format, the regular original format is fine with me, but I'm excited. I thought a lot of the Queens were 
really talented. And I think I liked more of the queens this season than I have on any other season, for sure. And we had a good mix of people. I feel like there's been a big... um like every time they do the introducing the queens, there's a big like conversation about the New York queens, right? And there's some sort of like intimidation there. They're like the top of their league, and we're supposed to like defer to them. And like, oh, there's three New York queens this season. Like, oh, better watch out. I don't, I don't really understand that part. But where am I going with this? <laughs> I just liked a lot. Of, I liked the diversity. There weren't like, there were New York queens, but we also had like some sort of like weird queens and comedy queens and older queens and young ones and people that had been in the drag scene for 30 plus years. And then there was one that had been here there doing shows for like a year and a half. And I, I really liked that. I think the past few seasons, there have been like a lot of the same. And I, I'm interested in seeing a lot of diversity because it takes like, you, <laughs> I'm getting upset. You go, I don't think we don't take into consideration how much work it's got to be on that show to be, to be on that show. Like, I feel like, first of all, you guys, I feel like I'm just rambling, like just like a person rambling on a street corner. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of diversity and I just casting. I already said that. So I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. Um, What else? What else? I think that might be it. <laughs> I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about. No, maybe not. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for sticking around with me in another year. This is the second full year of everyone's business but mine. So tell a friend. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Let's get on to the rest of the episode, which is a recap of the newest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. <laughs>